Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Brawley, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org, or simply download the CCCIV app, you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977 and the pharisee he stood there praying god i thank you that i'm not like other men who are sinners and adulterers and robbed from your people i thank you that i'm not even like this tax collector and he would have just been pointing out this tax collector And then it says, the scripture says, Jesus says, the tax collector stood off in a far distant corner and he's beating his breast. His his face is just looking to the ground. He won't even raise his eyes to God. He's beating his breast and he just says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus says, that man left the temple justified by his prayer. Not the religious man who trusted in himself. And then there's a warning that is attached. Jesus says, "Be, be careful because the one who exalts himself will be humbled but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Which would you rather be, right? Jesus put it this way. Again, you can read this in Luke chapter 14. He tells this story when he goes to a Pharisee's home and he he notices something. As people come in through the back door, they're jostling for the best seat around the table. They wanna be close to the salsa, right? I mean, they wanna get that best seat, those seats of honor, those seats where everyone looks up to them. And so Jesus said, he looks at them, he says, be careful. When you come to a wedding feast, when you come, don't try to find the best seat around the table. You take the lowest seat, the person who's gonna get served the pozole last, you go back there and you wait. Why? Because if you take the best seat, there might be someone with more distinction or more honor that comes in and you're gonna be embarrassed when the the master of the feast says you need to take a lower seat because I invited this guy and he, he needs to have the seat of honor. He says, it'd be better for you to take the last seat and your pasole to be a little bit cold and be invited up closer to the head of the feast, right? That's what it's about. And then there's a warning that he puts at the end, again, to these religious leaders. He says, be careful because the one who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be lifted up by the Lord. I, I don't want to follow after the footsteps of Antichrist who's cast from heaven because he says, I can be God. Right? I want to be like Jesus, whom the scripture says in Philippians chapter 2, humbled himself. He emptied himself. He, the kenosis passages. He emptied himself of glory and humbled himself and became a servant. And even more than a servant, he became obedient to the point of death, even the death of a cross. He came as a servant and went to a cross to die. That's the humility. But then after that, it says, but he's given a name which is above every name and every knee will bow. See, he humbled himself upon the cross, but then God gave him his throne, right? That's the kind of life that I want to live. I wonder how you're living today. Whose footsteps are you following after? Who do you look more like? The king that is going to do as he wills? The king who's going to exalt himself? Or our king, the king of kings, who always does what the father wills, who always takes the lower seat, who humbles himself and allows God to lift him up, right? What does your life 
look like. Again, verse 36, and the king who shall do as he wills, he shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every God and shall speak astonishing things against the God of gods. He shall prosper till the indignation. Now, this is a little bit telling. It should inspire some awe within us because there is a wrath that is coming. And the scripture is clear in Revelation chapter 6 that in that moment when the Lamb of God pours out his wrath upon an unbelieving world, that there will be people who will run. They will try to find themselves in caves or hide themselves in caves and behind rocks to flee from the wrath of the Lamb. But this is what I want you to hear today. It doesn't have to be like that for you. That doesn't have to be your story. You don't have to run from the wrath of Jesus. Why? Because if you come to the cross of Christ, if you come to the cross of Calvary and you believe that what Jesus did on the cross, he did for you, then Jesus accepts the wrath of God in your place. He drinks that cup so you never have to experience the indignation. The scripture says this, that Jesus is the propitiation, the payment for our sins, but not only for our sins, but also the sins of the entire world. And that God made a way that if you will confess with your mouth, Romans chapter 10, if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. You can be saved from the wrath that is to come. But here, do you see this? It says that the Antichrist, this king that is to come, he's going to prosper for a time. Life is going to look good for him. He's going to have a lot of people around. He's going to have a lot of riches. He's going to have a lot of power and influence, but it's only until the indignation comes. God is just, and his judgment is coming for each of us. The difference difference is only going to be in whether or not you're found in Christ when he comes to judge. And if you're found in Christ, he will come to you and with all of your sin and with all of your baggage and with all of those evil, wicked thoughts and every word you ever spoke that you wish you could take back and every heart you ever broke and everything you ever did that you're ashamed of, that has happened in the secrets, those recesses of your heart, all of those things will be covered in Christ and he'll come to you and his wrath will pass over you. Because you know why? Because you know what? I've already judged Jesus for your sin. So I don't have to judge you. Indignation is coming. Look at this. He'll speak astonishing things against the God of gods. He shall prosper till the indignation is accomplished. For what is decreed shall be done. God's word will come to pass. There's no way around this for this guy. This is what is going to happen. Jesus said it's easier for the heavens and the earth to pass away than for one jot or tittle, one crossing of the T or dotting of the I to expire from the word of God. God's word will come to pass. You can take it to the bank. Verse 37, he shall pay no attention to the God of his fathers. This is why some people believe that though the Antichrist will arise from those 10 horns of the Roman empire that we studied in Daniel, that from the 10 toes that's revived Roman empire, a Roman confederation of 10 nations, that he may be of Jewish descent. Because why else would it say that he won't, give heed to the God of his fathers. That's Hebrew language there. He also says there that he will not be, uh, or or to the one beloved by women. Every Hebrew woman wanted to give birth to Messiah. Remember there was a a prophecy given to Adam way back in Genesis chapter three. And it says, when, when speaking to the serpent, it says there will be enmity, there will be conflict between 
your seed and the seed, so right? So the woman will give birth to a baby. There will be a miraculous birth, a virgin birth. And so here we see this Antichrist is not gonna give any heed to Messiah. Read on. He shall not pay attention to any other God for he shall magnify himself. He will make a name for himself above all. He shall honor the God of fortress, which would mean the God of strength, the God of power. That's where he will worship instead of these, a God of whom his fathers did not know, nor shall he, or, and he shall honor them with gold and with silver and with precious stones and costly gifts. He shall deal with the strongest of fortresses with the help of a foreign God, possibly the God of Islam, those who acknowledge him, he shall load with honor. He shall make them rulers over many and shall divide the land for a price. Now think with me just for a moment. It's an insecure man who constantly needs to be reaffirmed by words. Here it says that the Antichrist, he, if you acknowledge him, he's going to bless you so to speak. He's going to give you lands. He's going to give you properties. He's going to give you position, right? And isn't this exactly what Antichrist or what Satan has wanted for so long? You remember way back in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is being tempted there by Satan before he begins his public ministry. And the third temptation, he, Jesus is taken up to this great mountain and he's shown all the kingdoms of the world. And Satan says, I'm gonna give you all these kingdoms, Jesus. You can forego the cross. You can skip all that suffering and all that torment. I'll give you all of this that you're here to redeem if you just bow down to worship me, if you just acknowledge me. And his heart will be the same. Antichrist's heart will be the same when he comes on the scene. If you just acknowledge him, life is going to seem easy. Things will go well for you. You'll have position and prominence and power. But, but, you know, if you make that agreement, you're signing your death warrant and you're aligning yourself with Antichrist, right? Now, look at the second point here we have. We saw the rise of Antichrist. Now we're going to see resistance to the Antichrist. Verse 40, and just for the sake of time, we're going to have to kind of speed through some of this. At, that, or at the time of the end, during this last seven years that we're talking about, the last seven years of those 490 prophesied in Daniel chapter 9, the king of the south shall attack. The king of the south, that's going to be uh, the, the king of Egypt and the Arab nations surrounding there. But the king of the north shall rush upon him like a whirlwind with chariots and horses and with many ships. And he shall come into the countries and shall overflow and pass through them. Now, for a second, I want to pull up this map. Let me show you this map here for just a second so you can see the areas that we're talking about. Let me see if I can figure this out. All right, so here in the end days, right, here's Israel, little, little speck on the map. You see Israel right there? Almost can't even see it, right? Here's the king of the south. Now, the king of the north last week was the king of Syria. Syria is right here above Israel, borders Israel, right? Now, in this text, remember the king of Syria, that was, uh, that was symbolic of Antiochus Epiphanes. That was the king of the north. In this sense, there's a shift once more. We're looking at something future. We're looking at a future king known as Antichrist, who is symbolically, it was, it was a type there. Antiochus Epiphanes was a type of this Antichrist. So now when we look at king of the north, it's referring to Antichrist who will come down from the north and he'll invade all these countries and he's gonna cut through these countries like a knife. Like butter through a knife. I mean, it's going to be, he's going to overwhelm them, overpower them. There's not, they're not even going to stand a chance. But did you notice something here? It says that he's going to come at them with chariots and with horses and with ships. Now, there are a lot of Bible commentators believe, that believe that 
This is a reference to the fact that we're not going to have modern warfare technology during these days. And if you think with me for a moment, back in Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39, there's a huge war that is going to take place sometime before the peace treaty the Antichrist signs that begins the seven years. That's called the war of Gog and Magog. Russia will come down, and it actually says that the devastation will be so severe that Israel will spend seven months burying the dead people to cleanse the land. Think about how many people that will be that will be dead. Now, you can't trust some of this stuff, okay? I'm telling you that right up front. But what I've researched says that there are 13,000 nuclear warheads in existence today. Now, at the end of the Cold War, there were 70,000 nuclear warheads, all right? Many believe, many scientists believe that there are enough nuclear warheads not to wipe, out the, you know, wipe off the face of the earth, but to wipe out mankind, okay? If these types of warfare are used during this time, right? It's very easy that, that our technology could be taken away. Do you guys know what an electromagnetic pulse is, an EMP? When there's a charge of electricity that happens, they, they even have weapons that have developed to do this. Solar flares can cause this, but this can also happen by, by man, right? We, we can do this with our weaponry now, and it will fry all of the circuits in anything electronic, Okay, so could this be the case why we're fighting with horses and chariots during these last days? It's possible. Albert Einstein said this. He said, I don't, I, I can't tell you what kind of weapons they will use when they wage World War III, but I can tell you this, World War IV will be fought with sticks and stones. Why? Because it will be so severe. The, the devastation from World War III and the weaponry that we have will be so severe that we'll be back to caveman days where we're fighting with sticks and stones. Right? So it says here that, that he'll come at this king of the north. The Antichrist will come. He'll invade with horses and chariots. He'll overflow these lands. Verse 41, he shall come into the glorious land, the land of Israel, the land that is flowing with milk and with honey. And tens of thousands shall fall or die, but these shall be delivered out of his hand. Edom and Moab and the main part of the Ammonites. He shall stretch out his hand against the countries and the land of Egypt shall not escape. He shall become ruler of the treasures of gold and of silver and all of the precious things of Egypt and the Libyans and the Cushites shall follow his train. Many of you Bible scholars who have read the book of Revelation understand that in the last days, the Antichrist will have control over all of the world's economy. And there will be no buying or selling unless someone takes the mark of the beast. Right? Now, I'm not saying that vaccines are the mark of the beast. Hear me on that. But I do believe that the enemy is using this season, right, to get us ready to prepare us, to get, a, get us accustomed to taking things, putting things into our body, and check, injecting things into our body so that we're all preconditioned to take the mark of the beast when the time comes. Are you following me? Again, don't go say that Pastor Chris said that the vaccine is the mark of the beast. I am not saying that. I'm saying it's preparing people, conditioning people to receive the mark of the beast. Look at right here, this text says that the Antichrist will have control of the gold and the silver and all of the precious gems and stones of the whole Middle Eastern region. He'll control the world's economies, whether that's through oil or through minerals that are used to, to, to build out batteries, lithium batteries, whatever the case may be, he will control the, the world's economy. Now look at this, verse 44. Now we're gonna, we've seen his reign, or we saw his rise. We saw the resistance. Now we're going to look a little bit into the rage of the Antichrist. But news from the east and from the north. Now, if you pull back up that map for me real quick, 
So news from the north and from the east will happen, right? So up here, here's Magog. And so a lot of Bible scholars believe that, you know, Russia will be routed in that uh, war of Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39. But by the midway through the tribulation, okay, when the Antichrist comes in, he commits the abomination of desolation. He, he sets himself up to be worshiped in the temple, a rebuilt Jewish temple, that these nations up in the north, right here, Gog, which would be Russia, and over here in the east, China, they will say, enough is enough. This guy has gone mad. He's crazy. And they're going to seek to attack Antichrist. They're going to make their way towards Israel. And all of the nations of the world are going to converge in this moment. Okay. Now, why would he be so distraught? Why would he be so concerned? Here's the reason why. In the book of Revelation, you can read in Revelation chapters uh, 9 and chapter 16, you can read about how this is lining up. If you want to write that down, you can confirm that later on me, all right? But here's the deal. There will be an army, a militia of 200 million people that will be charging at Antichrist and his forces. Think about what that would do just for a moment, the alarm that that will cause. Look at, let's read what, what his reaction here is. So, but news from the east and from the north, news from Russia and China shall alarm him. He shall go out with great fury to destroy and to devote many to destruction. And he shall pitch his palatial tents between the sea and the glorious mountain. Right, so bring up the second map here just for a moment. He hears that this is going to happen. He hears that, that they're coming, that they're charging. 200 million people are coming. Uh, second map, if you can bring up the second map for me. Here's the second map. Here's a map of Israel, right? So you see here, right, the Dead Sea. You see the Mediterranean Sea, right? Man, that's, right in here is Jerusalem, the Holy Mountain, the Temple Mount, right? He's going to set up and fortify himself and his forces right in here, right in the spot where all of prophecy is revolved around. When Antichrist's back is up against the wall, he's going to fortify his forces right here, just as Russia and China are advancing. Why do I say East China from the east? Here's why. When this was written, and again, Daniel, the book of Daniel is written in the, like the, the 500s BC, there are 150 million people on the face of the earth estimated. 150 million people. During the time of Jesus, it's estimated that there were about 190 million people. We didn't reach a billion people until the early 1800s. By 1920s, we had reached 2 billion people, right? By the 1970s, 4 billion. And sometime in the 2020s, we're going to reach uh, 8 billion people, all right? So when this was written, there weren't 200 million people living, but yet Daniel receives a vision that there's going to be an army of 200 million people. How is that possible? Well, in, 19, in the 1960s, communist China came out and said that they were able to field a militia of 200 million people. Today, the, the Chinese people, 1.4 billion Chinese people. Let's put that in perspective. They can field a military, 200 million people. We, our whole nation is 330 million people. Their military is more than half the size of our entire nation. Just to put that in perspective. So the north, Russia will come down. The east, China will come in advance. It's going to send Antichrist into a fury. He's going to be enraged. He's going to fortify his forces. They're around the temple. They're around uh, Jerusalem. They're between the seas, the Mediterranean Sea and the Dead Sea. And this is where the battle will wage, the battle of all time, right there in that spot. Now, the rage of Antichrist is going to follow through, is going to lead to your second point, second main point is going to be the ruin of Antichrist. Look at what it says here. Very end of verse 45. 
yet he shall come to his end. He shall come to his end with none to help him. All of the effort and all of the fury and all of the conniving and all of the wickedness, that's how the Bible says it ends right there in this verse in, in Daniel. And it shall come to an end. Why? Because God will show up. Because God is going to do something. Because God will make sure that he puts this rebellion to an end. That is it, right? Now, he'll set up that, that, that spot. That will be his fortified place. You can read this. For sake of time, I want you to write these verses down. Go and read Revelation chapter 16, verses 12 through 16. To see how God parts the, the rivers so that China can come through. I want you to read Joel chapter 3. How God is going to tread the winepress of his wrath. He'll gather all of the nations together in this valley of decision. And then his wrath will come. All these nations will gather to fight here in this valley of Megiddo. Armageddon. The battle of Armageddon we know it as. Look at this picture here. Here's a picture of this valley of Megiddo. This huge, vast valley, millions upon millions of people will gather here to fight in this final battle, trying to overthrow Antichrist. But something will happen in the midst of this battle. And what will happen, you can read in Zechariah chapter 14, that Jesus will come down and his feet will touch the Mount of Olives and it will split. And the scripture says in 2 Thessalonians that by the breath of his mouth, he will breathe and Antichrist will fall. And the scripture says, you can read this, write this down, Revelation chapter 19, how Jesus will come with 10,000s of his saints back white chargers, horses, coming in for this final battle. And that out of his mouth will go a sharp two-edged sword with which he will strike down the nations. He'll have a robe dipped in blood, a name written on his side, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And he will go and he will fight the wicked and they will be struck down just like that. It will all come to an end. He will speak the word and they will fall flat. Amen. That's the God that I serve. See, all of this rage and all of this uh, hubris and all of this pride and all of this arrogance, it leads to one place for Antichrist. It leads to his destruction. It leads to his ruin. Everything falls apart. Right, So now here we're going to have to, just for the sake of time, we're going to have to skip quite a few things. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff here. Maybe one day I will record it and post it for you. But let's read through some of these things because we really got to get here to the meat of the end. So look at this, uh, chapter 12, verse 1. At that time shall arise Michael the great prince, Michael the archangel. You can read about this battle that will take place halfway through the tribulation. Michael uh, will, will be engaged in a battle with Satan in the heavens and Satan will be cast down from heaven once and for all, no longer allowed access into heaven to accuse us and he'll be so enraged, he will at that point literally possess Antichrist. The spirit of Satan will possess Antichrist halfway through this seven year period. And this is when all of these things begin to happen. So look at what happens here. At that time, Michael shall arise, the great prince who has charge over your people, that would be Israel, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never been seen since there was a nation till that time. But at that time, your people shall be delivered. Your people will be rescued, Daniel. Don't worry, Daniel. Your people will be preserved. Look at this. Everyone whose name shall be written in the book throughout the Bible, there's a reference to this book, which is a role of citizenship. 
right? It's a role of citizenship. In ancient days, they had a book, a role that would keep track of people who were citizens of that town or not. If your name was written in the book, you got to enjoy all of the rights and privileges of citizens uh, that would belong to that township. Now, the, the scripture alludes to this. Uh, Moses talks about this. The psalmists write about this. Jesus wrote about this. It's written about uh, in the book of Revelation that there's a book. It's called the book of life. And all of our names begin in this book of life. Why do I believe that? Because the scripture says at certain times that our names can be blotted out of the book of life. And I don't believe that you can lose your salvation. We don't believe that you can lose your salvation. I think God in his grace... He, we begin our lives and every single one of our lives are written in that book until the moment we breathe our last and we reject Christ with our last breath, then our name is blotted out. Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Raleigh, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org or simply download the CCCIV app. You'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text CCCIV app to 77977.